Lights, camera, action. Hello and welcome to another edition of Movie Madness in association with Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined as always by Kieran Fletcher. This week we are getting into Sam Mendes' 2019 action war drama, 1917. Your orders are to deliver a message. If you don't get there in time, it will be a massacre. We need to keep moving! There is only one way this ends. Last man standing. 1917 in cinemas, January 10. Kieran, how are we doing today? I'm good. I'm buzzing, Mr. B. What about yourself? I'm uh, quite fretful. I think uh, you're back away next week, which means we're going to be back online um, again. And I'm not sure, honestly, that I'm ready for that, to be honest. I am. I am away yeah, next week. Terrifying. But I'm, I'm only away for a week and then I'm back for a week. That felt like a long week, the last one we did online. <laughs> so we'll see, we'll see how this one is. Yeah. Um, 1917 then, we will jump straight into it. April 6th, 1917, as an infantry battalion assembles to wage war deep in enemy territory, two soldiers are assigned to race against time and deliver a message that will stop 1,600 men from walking straight into a deadly trap. It's a lot of people, isn't it? It is. Did you see this at the cinema? No. Um, You missed out, if, if not. No, I didn't. No. Did I? No, I didn't. Fantastic cinema experience this was. Right. Um not good. I text TK while watching to say, have you seen this? And he was like, I'll literally watch it at the cinema with you. Oh, wow. Okay. okay. Uh, well, that's good though. That means you're engrossed in the film. Yeah. I, I, watched, I think I watched Dunkirk at the cinema. I didn't watch this one at the cinema. Watch both at the cinema. I preferred this. I preferred this to Dunkirk as Dunkirk well. It must be the same year. I think, yeah, very similar years. Um, I think Dunkirk came before this one. Yeah. Maybe it was just before. I think it was just before. Um, similar. Two years before. Yeah. Similar styles anyway. Similar, well, Harry Styles, should I say. See, Dunk- Dunkirk that Tarantino says has the best movie shot of all time. Maybe. Where he's Which shot you talking lying about? down as the explosions are getting closer and closer to the frame. Mm. Um, yeah, prob- oh, probably. You'd know the shot. Yeah. Um, you were just watching it for Harry Styles, <laughs> which is why we're not doing it today. You're a bit um, carried away. I don't, yeah, I literally don't remember the shot, so it can't have been that good. Can't have been the Not best. My, no, I, I prefer be the, best the cinematography in this, but you know, yeah. Tarantino likes what he likes. Yeah, feet. Apparently, yeah. It did yeah? There was a. There was, I don't know if I sent you this. There was a meme this week where Tarantino has been quoted again. Basically, um, he was saying that sex is not part of his vision of cinema. He said, it's a pain to shoot sex scenes. If there had ever been a sex scene that was essential to the story, I would have. Uh-huh. But so far, it's not been necessary. And Pulp Fiction. There's the scene where he's he's going to bum that guy. Yeah, he probably wouldn't call that a sex scene. Well, uh, no. I would differentiate a rape scene to a sex scene. I'm not, I mean, maybe <laughs> yeah, you've watched okay. too much Game of Thrones. Yeah, fair enough, yeah. Um, yeah. 
someone quote tweeted that Tarantino quote and it said, reminded that Tarantino wrote a scene in Dust Till Dawn where Selma Hayek pours tequila down her leg and forces a guy to drink it by sucking on her toes yep. and then cast himself in that role. Yep, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Very odd guy, but uh, we move. Fucking good though. What do you think the critics thought of this? So, so the same every week. I think they loved it. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I see a lot. I probably say this a lot of weeks. We did used to do far more controversial films, and by controversial, I mean yeah. we did far more Adam Sandler films, where the <laughs> the critics are just like, "You should die in a fire yeah. for making." What's well, the film. one where he did the one where he plays the sister as well, Jack, Jack, Jack and Jill. Jill? Yeah, and Cas Pacino in that as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're we're basically just doing films that we like now yeah and I think there's nothing that we've got coming up to where, be fair for the com- to be fair, the comedies uh, I, I guess Piranha Piranha could have arguably been what I thought we were going to get that out. and then we went on and all the critics were like yeah this is great fun like yeah. I absolutely love this <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what the hell's going on yeah. here the best thing about Jack and Jill is it seemed like I think Pacino caught himself in the mirror after and was like what have you become I don't need to do that again whereas yeah. De Niro did like Dirty Grandpa which is a much mm. better film was like Mm. Easiest money I've made in my life. Yeah, De Niro's had such a weird career, hasn't he? Because he just used to be such a, a mafia guy, and then he did Meet the Fockers, and he was just incredible in it. Yeah, supposedly uh, Dirty Grandpa is one of the angriest he's ever been on a film set. Because hmm. Aubrey Plaza was tweaking his nipples <laughs> for a sex scene. <laughs> she's, she's proper funny. I, I've not really like known about her until the past year. I'm like on TikTok and stuff. She's always on my TikTok now. It's just her in interviews and she's just dry as fuck. There's a great interview she does where she basically went to interview these nuns that smoke weed. Mm -hmm. And everyone in the interview is just high as you like. Are they allowed to smoke? I suppose they are. They're allowed to drink They basically, there's a quote in there where she says, basically, we believe that if Jesus was here, then he would smoke weed. I mean, and he does Blazer look like a hippie. Like cracking up. He does look like a hippie, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's very good. But anyway, back to uh, 1917. <laughs> Far more hard-hitting than uh, mm. that interview. So the critics' reviews. Hard-hitting, immersive, and an impressive technical achievement. 19- there's not actually, sorry, there's not actually any humour in 1917 at all, is there? I'm just running through it in my head. Uh, Apart from one comment, maybe. There's a couple of bits where they're kind of chatting a bit oh, no, just there to is... show they're normal basically yeah 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 no I think Andrew Scott's quite funny in it yeah go on sorry 1917 captures the trench warfare of World War I with raw startling immediacy mm. with 1917 Sam Mendes takes his audience on a perilous journey driven by a simple but tightly wound story soaked in an unending tension it's a harrowing tale of heroism friendship and sacrifice yeah for experiences like the one I had in the theatre watching this is why I love film. Constantly asking myself how they did this, probably Sam Mendes' best movie to date. I would have liked to have seen this in the cinema. I don't know why I didn't. I I definitely would have remembered if I'd watched it in the cinema. I very rarely think this, purely because I've got the cinema card so I don't want to pay extra. I wish I'd seen this in IMAX. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. Some every so often you get those reviews that are basically like watch this on the biggest screen possible. This is the the cinematography in this is so good that to watch it in the cinema, like if it if it came back to the cinema, I'd watch it tomorrow. Remember when um, 
the the best cinema for that seems to be when I Google films is Bristol. Just seems to just run films back that people. Well, yeah, we would don't have that here in a cinema. No, we don't have that here. That, I'd love that though. They don't even do the because Cineworld show classic films quite a lot, and they don't even yeah. do that in Gloucester or Cheltenham. They're, it's always um, like Wolverhampton. Yeah, they're they're redoing the Lord of the Rings ones, aren't they? I yeah, think they're bringing those yeah. back for the extended editions. Yeah. Basically, yeah, four remember, hour long films. Remember when? Uh, surround sound first became a thing and people would get that in the house I remember going around to my dad's and oh him, yeah 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 I think it was like the best thing ever Dolby there, there was like yeah, yeah yeah there was like a setting basically mm. that would play the crowd noise 5.1 yeah and it was kind of like um, we always talk about those 3D trailers where yeah. they would show people in the crowd like reaching out like mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. what they're gonna do it mm. and uh my dad being like, oh, it's like you're at the game. This, It's like you're at the game. We watched, I mean, we watched Spy Kids in 4D. Yep. Scratch and Sniff and 3D. So I say to you that Goff watched uh, Avatar in the 4DX or 5D or whatever it was. The new was, one. Yeah. So he just got battered for three hours. Mate. <laughs> it like smashes you around in was your Was there seat. water and stuff? So he said when it was... No, so it's basically your chair just moves around, I think. You didn't feel like you were drowning. <laughs> he said, when you're on the water, it's nice. It's proper relaxing. Like, your chair's almost like you're floating. Uh. And he said, they just get in the jungle and you're just being pummeled and pummeled <laughs> and pummeled for three hours. He said he came out with a bad back. Yeah. <laughs> this is in Charlton where they make you pay, like, 25 quid. I've not been to that one. fancy one. The one um, outside of... Uh, no, no, the, the regular Cineworld Cheltenham. Oh, is it? Yeah, they have one of them special script. I think it's, like, 5DX or something like that. But oh, that's cool. Not one that I've done. Um, Sorry, I'm just going to squeak this chair quickly. I know you hate squeaking. Uh, for experiences like the one I... Uh, no, I've done that. Uh, what makes it so special is the balance between artistry and realism. Mendes reaches down into the mud and finds something beautiful. Mm. It's what, just really, it's just really, really well shot, isn't it? Yeah. It's what, so good. What could have been a gimmick in the service of a weaker narrative becomes a masterstroke here. <laughs> Sorry, who said what could have been a gimmick? This isn't a gimmick topic to cover is it no i feel like oh that, that feel, hilarious world war one uh, no i think the way it shot could have become a gimmick as in you could have got bored of it it, it could have been well we'll get some of the criticism but yeah. it, it could have been quite cheaply done i think it could have felt like uh as in the, they didn't as in it was just an, an easier way of doing it well i was going to reference it later did you ever watch that uh i think it was like prehistoric park it was called on like itv and it was basically you know the Things in Jurassic Park, the little uh, buggies, they go in and just go around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's basically something like that. The camera's just moving around like you're in a theme, like a Uh, park full of dinosaurs. And it could have easily been just like shortling along or whatever. And it was like they were craning it around, getting up close and doing whatever. No, I mean, to actually pull off what he did in this film, to shoot shoot it in, I know it, it, it plays as one continuous take. I know there are cheats in there, but to actually get that level of accuracy, it must have been so stressful to shoot. I don't know how many takes they did per scene. Oh, and stuff. I, know, I know you'll have all of that, but like it, the actual kind of detail that goes into pulling something like that off and not just going cut and then setting up different camera angles is insane. Well, they say, so the, just to finish, what could have been a gimmick in the service of a weaker narrative becomes a masterstroke here, basically denying us any let off from the tension of what is happening yeah, on the screen. Yeah, that's exactly is, how yeah. it feels. Exactly how it feels. You can't escape it. So it took six months for the actors just to rehearse the film mm-hmm. before the shooting even started, which yep. I was listening to interviews with uh, some of the filmmakers and they'll say some of them like to basically get you on set, you feel it out and, mm. you know, it, it 
just you do it that way you you work through it others you get the table reads won't you and yeah. you do table reads for yeah. a week and then you'll move into it I mean I know I talk about theatre all the time but this film is kind of as close to theatre as you can get in the sense that it's it's just you, you if you get it wrong there is no well six months of restart, rehearsal is no. that's a lot for, that's a for lot film. this is it's a lot for film you would get it with some football coaches. Say you got a new one coming in for the summer and I'm talking at a shit level here. Mm-hmm. They would come in and they would do the gimmick where they would be like, you know, for the first two weeks of summer, you're not even going to kick a football. It's yeah. going to be all fitness training. You're going to do all these drills. Yeah. That's kind of what this feels like. Like you're not getting into the thick of it. Yeah. Because it's not even like, uh, it's a script that he needs them to know like the back of their hand and they're picking no. it apart and doing this and doing that. No, this must've been, very much physical it's rehearsal do, for six it's months. It's to do with blocking. It's to do with you need to stand, you need to be stood here at this exact yeah. time. It's to do with mechanical blocking, which is what you do in theatre because you have to because of the lights. So it's like if you're not stood in this exact spot at this exact moment, all the lights that are pre-programmed, you'll be in darkness sort of thing. And well, it's, it's the same in this. If you actually think of the film, one of the issues was almost all of it was in daylight. Yeah. And so for it to be in kind of the, the the way they shoot it, the natural light here looks like natural light. It doesn't yeah. look like it's being rigged or set up like that. Yeah. And so for the continuity of this was a nightmare. They said, yeah. even with the like overcast and murky scenes, we maybe take for granted just how much lighting conditions can change in the space of like 20 minutes. Yeah, clouds so and yeah. Considering how much takes they had to do, how often they had to do it, it's mental how seamlessly was combined like the tiniest things like cloud placement mm-hmm. can make or break yeah. the continuity yeah. of a shot because yeah if you think of when they're walking over towards the house before the plane crashes mm-hmm. you are completely wide open yeah. if they do jump that then considering how immersed we are that's going to be very obvious if you get like a flick and mm-hmm. suddenly yeah even just the conditions changed so very 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 impressive um over 5200 feet of trenches were dug for the film yeah, it's insane. I mean, that's another thing I was going to... I'm sure you've got the stats on the the actual um, setting. I mean, that that wasn't um, fake backdrops or anything, was it? They no. actually... That was shot in trenches. and Because you can't do a film like no. this and cheat... I know you can cheat the shots a little bit with things like um, blackouts and whatever. There's a part where he's knocked unconscious, isn't there? Where- so that's the only time where technically the yeah, shot breaks, yeah, yeah, breaks um, but other than that I know there, there is cheats and so stuff the, the shortest, you get away with like FX the shortest unbroken shot was 39 seconds long the mm. longest single continuous shot was eight and a half minutes so long the cheat code Such is basically if there's an explosion or something well, yeah or you move behind an object yeah, yeah, is, yeah is how they do it a lot yeah. of the time but I mean the actual landscape the setting where where they're at that that's all legit isn't it it's just long yeah, th- kind of expanding marshland basically I think it's it's very where good where was it shot uh, I, I did have that but no. not in front of me now um, the, the film is very different to any other war film I've seen in that if I think of Saving Private Ryan the main thing it's always the go to isn't it yeah to the main thing people would say about it is that opening scene and how like visceral it is on the beach and there's limbs and blood flying everywhere yeah this film shows almost the horror of war in the complete opposite way to how the other films do it. Like, this one doesn't come from the big battle scenes with no. uh, like portrayals of explosions, things like that. This is done from the tiny details. Like 
the things you really pick up on, there's the part when they're going across no man's land for the first time. There are little things like he split his hand open and then he yeah. puts his hand into yeah. the mud and yeah. you're really yeah. into it like that. And I and think the um, bodies you go past. Yeah, that's yeah, exactly. So look, extras are used really, really well in this because because you're following the two main um you're following yeah, those two Schofield and Blake throughout. Um you're seeing what they see. And I think the extras in this are all really, really good because when I'm watching films, I like doing stuff like that. I like looking at the extras and looking in the background and seeing what's going on. And that's where none I, of them break. They all look like they're actually soldiers and stuff. And I think it's really good. Even with the kind of background stuff. So the, the little things like the horses, bodies and the flies you yeah, move through yeah. and uh, helmets that are left there and just little things. I think the way the camera work is done they would have had the opportunity to be very self-indulgent and to crane no. the shot and get close and really work and basically say, look at what we've created here. Look at this marvellous work we've put yeah. together. And they kind of, it's good when a filmmaker trusts you as an audience to see what he wants you to see. Yeah. And so he basically says, I've put this together. You might not catch it on the first watch, but on the second watch, you're going to spot something mm. different here. And on the third watching. It is one of those films, if you just keep rewatching it, you will just pick up different things at different points. Yeah. There's, uh, um, oh, at, at the start, so when they've just been given the mission to go and get to his brother, um, there's a guy, um, that gets stretched off and he's got like a bandage. He, I mean, it's a, it's a corpse. It's a, it's a dead corpse. There's a bandage around his head and just like a bullet hole. And you can just see that this guy's been shot in the head. And then a second later, there's a sign in the trenches on the right saying don't raise your um don't raise your head it during daylight or something like that and it's just like so perfect that you get that transition where the guy has had his head blown off and then the sign saying don't fucking do that well you mentioned the opening there's barely any backstory in this it and, just starts and that's yeah that was similar with dunkirk as well to be fair it's all about what's happening right here right now yeah. uh the general colin firth will speak about in a second well even just from the start just from the beginning shot, I know it ends, it's quite cyclical, isn't it? It ends with him leaning against the tree. It starts with him and the flowers and whatever. But just from the start, it's like, there's no messing around at all here. There's no... Um, he even starts with Blake having his face covered. and then Yeah, exactly. There's no covered. like, um, I don't know, there's no like glitz and glamour of war. Because you could easily start it with like, you know, Private Ryan, there's all massive explosions yeah, and all yeah. stuff like that. There's none of that. It's just, you're in these shitty trenches with a thousand other guys or however many were in there and there is no escaping it you just have you're subject to what the camera is yeah so the, following the general tells them that they've got some aerial photos that have disclosed that the Germans are retreating and yeah. they're withdrawing to a position where they can defend better they're not getting out of there that there's one big push there's a British division that are going to go in advance and they're going to go into a certain slaughter basically yeah and so we've got these two guys. <clears throat> we don't get their ages, but they're sold as being young. They're kind of the... Maybe like 19, fodder, 20. They're essentially fodder in this situation. That's kind of what... Yeah, that's kind of the reality, yeah. yeah. And the Romans and the Greeks used to do this, didn't they? They'd retreat behind hills. You'd think you had them on the run. And yeah. then they'd all be there without archers. You'd run it's, after them and then just get peppered. It's as uncomplicated a plot as they could possibly dig up. It, yep. it's, it's literally an adventure film. It's Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. We're here. We need to get here. And there's going to be some obstacles along Harold the way. Harold and Kumar go to war. Yeah. It's li that's yeah. literally... Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's we're gonna have it. it is, we're yeah. gonna have a couple of mishaps. And, but we're point A to Those point B. Those bloody Germans. Yeah. yeah. And 
those that did critique the film, there there was some out there um, that didn't like it. Say some say it was it was too caught up in its style. They, I think, oh, like it relied on itself what, too much. I wouldn't recommend this. Usually, I would say to someone that isn't sure of the film, watch the first ten minutes. If you don't like the first yeah, ten, this is what you're in for. This is what you're in for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is. I have one. I only have one critique about it, and it's it's a bit of a shitty critique. But that um, Dean Charles Chapman. I don't think the acting is anywhere near as strong from him as it is from the McKay kid. Um, and I think, I think in a different take, the acting might have been much stronger, but there's some, there's some parts where when I'm watching his acting from an analytical point of view, I'm, I'm looking at it and I'm thinking I'm watching an actor. Whereas when you're watching a film or if you're watching theatre, you don't want to think I'm watching an actor say lines. You want to believe in the character. There's, there was just a few lines and there's a few parts where I'm like, I know that he rehearsed that like that. He's part of it. It's a bit mechanical. He's part of it that he is almost having to play someone else. Like the whole point of it is he's shit scared, but he's having to put on this brave face to go yeah, and find possibly. Yeah, possibly. Um, possibly. There's, there's some there's some lines, I think I know the points you're probably talking about, the ones where he's telling a story and he says things. It just seems very rehearsed, uh, yeah. Bastards and things yeah, like that. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But yeah, that's that. I guess that's on the writing but as much as... Yeah, it is. But at the same time, you think they might have done that take 20 times yeah, and that and might have been the take which is technically correct. We, we spoke last week about the room for improvisation. There's mm, no room for no, improvisation. No, not at all. Exactly, not at all, no. But then that comes across, this is what I mean, it, it seems very rehearsed and mechanical sometimes. Not from the other guy, that that McKay guy. Is it Mackie, McKay? Uh, yeah, George McKay, yeah. He's phenomenal throughout. Well, there's, those that criticised it said it winds up unfolding like a video game sequence, just moving from checkpoint to checkpoint. Um, nah. I, I like the fact there is no let up at all like yeah. the one shot as we said never leaves you any time to breathe there's no obvious point where even when you're rewatching it you go I don't need to pause this so I can go and pee quick and I'll get back in I don't mm. think there's any obvious point in the film where you feel like you've got five minutes to dip in and out no the only escape that you get from this film is to pause it yeah because there's no there is no cutscenes where you're like oh this is safe you're with this lad up until the end do you like that the camera work is very uh, graceful is probably the way I would put it. Like They never frame it as a person or a POV shot. And so there are less restraints. Like mm. It's like you're on maybe like a slow slow golf buggy, just moving behind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's very smooth, isn't it? Um, yeah, I do like it because otherwise that would be so jarring for the two hours that it plays out. You know, in Saving Private Ryan, it's very shaky, isn't it? You've got shaky cam. I mean, people had like PTSD watching that film, didn't they? That had yeah. been to war and stuff. I, th- I think that doing it the way they did it meant they were able to not make uh, the camera a personality, for example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't yeah. like yeah. a third guy behind them that we can't see. It wasn't It's not the same. It's, yeah, that's exactly it. It's, it's not the same. That every so often they would do something where it would almost swivel round to show the scope of things, which yeah. if they kept it just behind them the whole time, like that's the way we're going to do it. It's going to be we're following their journey. There's an amazing shot where they're going across no man's land and they come into, it's not a trench, it's, it's like a, a dip where the water is. Um, they've gone through this barbed wire and they can see that there's a gap on the other side of the fence. So instead of going through the water, they go around the water to the left so they follow it in a semicircle but the camera goes across the water 
So they must have, they literally must have put the camera on like a floating piece of wood or something and just had someone with like a pulley or something just pulling it. But it moves so gracefully across the water, like just unfaltering. And it just shows them it's such a good shot. So, so good. Would they have built tracks for this, do you think? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Did you ever. They must have had behind, if you were to watch this, just filming it on a smartphone, not from the camera's point of view, there must have been about. 20 people directing there, there is a the behind uh, like a 10 minute behind the scenes documentary yeah but it kind of ruined some parts of cloverfield for me so i've been quite you hesitant to go one. back in and watch because it. there must have been so many runners that were just helping the camera and because there must have been whoever was filming would have been walking backwards for god knows how long like did you did you extras everywhere did you ever at, at <laughs> this is a very weird tangent go on at stroud park there was a this thing that was almost like a tiny little seat and it was on like the kind of tracks that I'm referring to having a camera on. And you basically, oh, um, you'd sit on it and it, you would just whiz round basically. The, tra- the train thing, is Stroud Stroud? Yeah, but no, this was a little like thing in a park. So not actually like a long one. Near the leisure centre. Yeah, yeah. yeah basically you, you'd sit yeah, on a little yeah, thing yeah, and it would get yeah. point A to point yeah, B yeah, in like yeah. a couple of minutes. I remember Jack, uh, my brother, going on there and you'd, ha- you'd basically tuck up in a little thing like that. Yeah. The plastic pinched on his hands like that, and he's just got dragged. He's basically been pushed, so he's still sat on there, but it's just like yeah, pulling yeah, the skin, yeah, yeah. skin off his. They hand. had the same thing at. Um, did you ever go to Cattle Country? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had that that big line thing that like went from basically where the death slide was to. What are you up to, Byron? Fussing in the back. Closing the window makes soundproofiness. Um, yeah, where you went from like the death side to like the cows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, yeah, exactly one of them. Yeah. It's so country. Yeah. Um, I was born in Stroud, you know. Did you know that? Stroud Maternity Hospital. I didn't move to no, Brockworth until no, I was you six. Were made. Yeah, I was made. I was made in Cheltenham. <laughs> and you were born. <laughs> no, you were made in the Royal Navy. Oh, I was, huh. Um World War One movie. Yeah. Do you think that was a good choice? Like, I feel we've seen so many World War II films, so many Vietnam films. Mm. We kind of know those stories at this point. This feels like a largely untapped world on on the kind of yeah larger scale. Um, do I think it was good? Yeah, I mean, any story that highlights the war, the wars, plural, to our generation is good, I think, because it just seems... Does it not just seem like so, so, so long ago? I know that there, yeah. there's still wars now. We've had, you know, the war in, in Iraq. We've got the war in Ukraine ongoing. But world wars where like every major country is, you know, sending the majority of their men to war and having their women work. And it it just seems like a lifetime ago to us. But it really, really wasn't. No, this this it's good. this sounds a bit deeper maybe. <laughs> That's yeah. I always think when I see things on World War One. And I see them begging to get home, or I see the kind of celebrations when it's all over. It's like yeah. you actually don't know that. Yeah, you're not going home. However many years. Oh, there's another one. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. got this. You got another one. I was looking come. after um, when I was working in um, a hospital in London in West Middlesex. I was looking after a guy, um, and he was like, I can't remember his age. I could do the maths and work it out, but he um, told me that when he was six. He looked. He lived in London, central London. He looked out of his bedroom window, um, Hammersmith. He lived, and he said that he just saw London on fire during the Blitz. So he lived through World War Two, but 
for me and you, World War Two literally seems like yeah, yeah. hundreds of years ago. And it's not. I was there looking after this old bloke who vividly remembers opening his curtains in his mm. bedroom and seeing London on fire. That's insane to me. Well, they reference this at the conclusion of the film that ultimately he, Sam Mendes' granddad yeah. was in the war yeah. and he came back from the war and had so many horrible experiences that he wouldn't talk about it to anyone. Mm-hmm. He got to the age of 78 and he just started writing them down. And so- Yeah, I think that's quite common. A lot of the points of this, he says his granddad- I mean, I don't know if it was on this scale. Yeah. Had to be a runner, basically. Take yeah. a message from point A to point B. Yeah. And some yeah. of what he wrote down is what he then attributes to this film. Because it's based, it is based on a true story, isn't it? But I'm so assuming it's, it's that's based not Sam on, Mendes. It's is. based on some truths from World War One, and then kind of mixed experiences. So I guess it's probably a lot of people's stories margarated yeah, into blended one. blended into one. Yeah, yeah. The casting then, yeah. I, th- I think this is brilliant because the two of them aren't particularly recognisable faces. Mm, If I tell you that Lance Corporal Blake, so you still have had George McKay in there. Yeah. Tom Holland was in talks for it and he turned it down due to schedule conflicts. Mm. What what year was this? 2017? 19. So he is Spider-Man at this point. Yeah, he's Spider-Man, yeah. No, 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 no. Because you're just like, what's Spider-Man doing in World War One? Because what works quite well in this is the the smaller roles are the recognisable faces. Yeah. And we don't need much backstory anyway, but even yeah. just from our own subliminals, the guys we know are the guys who are in powerful positions. The guys we don't know are oh, good point. the guys who are, who are beneath Yeah, the them. fodder. Yeah, good and point. just... Good separates point. them very early. Like, I hadn't seen that George McKay in anything. I don't think I have seen him in anything I'd else. seen him... Obviously, the, the other lad's um, Game of Thrones, isn't he? But Two roles in Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah, he played yeah. the cousin, didn't yeah. he? And then he played, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Something I'd seen, because I didn't know where I recognised him from. He was in... Uh, this is the sort of film I'd love to be in. Yeah. As speaking from... I know I, I speak about acting a lot on this pod, but I did fucking go to drama school for three years. Um, I did a play in Cheltenham where I did a play on World War One. Um, and it was like, it, yeah, it was a really, really, really good play. I'd, I'd love to do a film about World War One or World War Two. He he did this uh, show called Eleven Twenty Two Sixty Three, which is based on a book, and James Franco was the lead role basically. And it was he goes back in time, he realizes where he is, and he decides he's going to stop JFK getting assassinated. Right. <laughs> this is the Tommen kid. Um, no, this is George McKay. Oh, okay. So right. it's a Stephen King novel. Shit, so he he had worked with James Franco prior yeah, to this. Huh? Yeah, Weird. but but as I was saying last week, every big break either of these guys have had doesn't seem to have like propelled Been them. The big break, yeah, yeah. Which not always cool um, in that they probably are, they. I mean, I'm sure they're not poorly off, but they still probably live fairly normal lives, and yet, yeah. You also, I mean, the thing is, you have to look at it in the context of what's gone on. From 2019, I mean, you got COVID, so that would have shut down. They, even even the kind of massive, massive movie stars aren't working during COVID. They both uh, have done a lot of TV, so yeah. Uh, so are they both still trying to be? I believe so. Then? What's his name? Uh, I had his name. The other actor alongside you've said his name's Charles Dean Charles Andrew Scott. No, the other Dean Charles Chapman. Dean Charles Chapman. 
he's just done a TV show with uh, Stephen Graham. Oh, cool. He yeah, did five yeah. episodes and it's a BBC one. And he's one yeah, because he's a proper London boy, yeah, isn't he's he? he's one of the three lead characters in there. Oh, cool. Yeah. So he's still, I mean, he's, he's still working. Yeah, because you do have these actors that just don't want to act anymore. I mean, the kid that played Joffrey in Game of Thrones doesn't want to act anymore. And you think, like, he was... Joffrey is, like, an iconic bad guy. He's probably one yeah. of the top 200 bad guys of all time. And he's just like, yeah, I don't really want to act anymore. You're like, well, fair fucks. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Which probably makes their story so much cooler than in, like, 20 years when someone chats to them about it. And just be like, oh, yeah, I was Joffrey. And it's just, like, a wrinkle in their in, life. Yeah, like, the, the, one of the biggest TV I shows of all time. I just had this couple of years. Yeah. I was, like, the most hated bloke in the world. People, yeah, <laughs> Joffrey's such a hated character. But I've seen him in interviews. He seems like such a nice guy. Like, that's what I actually think when something like that happens they shouldn't do press for any of the time it's on TV well don't yeah, take me yeah, out of I know. that character. I mean press I don't think you can escape press because you're contracted to it well that's why but, it's on the filmmakers yeah yeah but a lot of big time actors don't have Twitter don't have Instagram no. don't have this and that because they don't want you to think of them as you know, it, they're not Kardashians. They're not selling themselves. They're no, selling the John, characters. John Berntal does a podcast now mm. and he says he basically didn't do it for ages. And the reason he doesn't feel he has a personality on his podcast, he kind of just gets other people involved. He yeah. says, every single thing I do outside of my job, you then find it hard to believe me as a policeman or a doctor or a yeah. fireman yeah. or whatever. Exactly. exactly. And that is then detrimental to my work. I need you to look at me and say, that's the punisher. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the best actors that we have at the moment, um, one of the best actors out there is Gillian Murphy, and he doesn't have anything. And he hates doing interviews. He hates doing press stuff. He just disappears. He's kind of made that his personality now, hasn't he? Yeah, like, but he's, like, fantastic. Yeah. But, like, no one knows what he's like, you know. I'm yeah. sure he's I'm sure he's a legend. So this, is, this, this links quite well, actually, because Sam Mendes, the way he was able mm. to get a lot of these... Uh, larger profile guys for the small roles he basically told them you won't have to do any press if you sign yeah. on for this do your bit come back I think Colin mm. Firth volunteered to do it because he felt very passionate about I'm the film and getting it out Killian there Murphy's not in it you know oh no I'm thinking of um, I'm thinking of Christopher Nolan not Sam Mendes yeah because he might even be in Dunkirk he maybe we'll do Dunkirk down the line he, I, I didn't love it in Dunkirk. Time. there you go then he is yeah. in Dunkirk I didn't, um, I didn't love it at the time is he I really like Dunkirk, but I kind of—it's just—it's just not as good as this film, in my opinion. Um, I mean, he would have got Sam Sam Mendes would have got Andrew Scott because of um, James Bond. Andrew Scott's in James Bond, but he Andrew Scott's one of my favorite actors. Like I've, I really really like him for stuff. He's in Sherlock as well, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's Moriarty in Sherlock. Yeah, we did. If you watched them recently, no. <laughs> Do they not hold up well? We we didn't. We were very excited to do it, and then we watched it, and it was like. Yeah, kind of preferred the idea I had of that film than oh, right, okay. what the film actually was. Oh no, I'm not on about the films, the TV shows. Okay, he's, I was on he, about the films. No, no, no. He's um he's in the TV shows with Benedict Cumberbatch. He plays Moriarty. The films is um your man, um I think he's Swedish. It's what's his name? The guy, um the guy that plays Bootstrap Bill. He's a Skarsgård. Yeah, that's not what I was thinking of though. That's I think. Oh no, it's not even him. The man who plays Moriarty in the um, in the one with Robert Downey Jr. is yeah. I wasn't thinking of Moriarty. Either. I was thinking oh. of just someone else that's in uh, the Sherlock. No, no, no. It's um. I was thinking of. I, I thought you were talking about Daniel Mays. Yeah, Danny Danny Mays. 
That's yeah. He's one of the ones that I. He's he is in Sherlock. He's also in this. Yeah, that's yeah. what I was saying. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. What, that's who I thought you were referring to. Yeah, yeah. Um, I get told I look like him all the time. I get told I look like Andrew Scott all the time as well. And I mean the two. Yeah. I just, Andrew Scott, I can kind of see, but Danny Mays, I don't look like Danny Mays. Do you do you think you, this could have been as immersive if it was a recognisable face in either of the main two roles? Um. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, maybe because the writing is good and the actual concept is really good. You could get away with it, but I just don't. I, I don't think it works as well if you put Tom Holland in George Mackey's <laughs> place. It's just not the same, is it? That's that's the kind of price of fame, I guess. Yeah, yeah. It's the same as Hugh Jackman. It's like, oh, look, it's Wolverine. Yeah, and you're like, well, he, he was a stage actor for twenty, thirty years. Because like. I feel like George McKay was the perfect role, even just appearance-wise. Like he every looks- time you say McKay and I say McKay, I just think okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's <laughs> so annoying. He looks very pale, I guess. He he looks, and it always feels like a horrible thing to say. Although it is, he looks very normal. He yeah. doesn't look like yeah, yeah, yeah. a movie star playing yeah. a soldier. I agree. Yeah, he does. Just something about his kind of personality as well sometimes these things can be exaggerated a bit uh you could have put one of the um i think one of the peaky blinders kids would have worked um what's his name is it joe cole i, I didn't like peaky blinders so i stopped after season one the one out of and he's out of gangs of london as well joe joe cole something like that delaney hates him because delaney's lost like two roles to him Del- delaney got down to like the last I think it was like the last three, maybe the last five for Gangs of London. Nice. And this um this kid, this I think he's called Joe Cole, like got got the lead. Ooh. And um there was something else as well that he lost it to. Christy uh, Wilson Cairns, who was mm. the co writer on this, she said that he knew everyone's name on set. He had time for everyone, all the assistants, all the runners and he spent a lot of time yeah just learning about their lives he he wouldn't leave a day shooting without shaking everyone's hand and thanking them for what a legend all the work they were doing he he does you can just see interviews with him he does just seem like a just a very good person legend yeah well we said the other week he was with uh, Sasha Ronan for a good few years I don't think they're together anymore let's talk about some of the best moments and scenes we've Mm. spoken about the opening a bit immediately we're in the trenches um yeah very good they set out the style can we talk about how just like barbaric this whole plan is basically this kid has to do their dirty work yeah just by dangling the carrot that he his personally brother. has to save his brother like yeah it's, i know <laughs> it's I know. sadistic they've gone down a list and gone I know. he's got some skin in the game no, they just thought, well, we need to get one of them to do it. And be like, oh, give it to Corporal, yeah. give it to Sergeant Blah, blah, blah. That's his brother, isn't it? And But isn't that the reality of what war was like? The ones yeah, from sure. um, posh families were the ones yeah. that were like drinking tea in the trenches and stuff. I think as well, because it's all well and good, the style of the camera work being good, but to yeah. then match it, and we'll speak a bit more about the cinematography, but even just the the lamp lighting for the scene with Colin Firth in there, yeah. is proper like sets... It's it's like mood lighting almost. Yeah, I mean, Colin. Yeah, Colin Firth in that um, in that scene. I he's good. I I gen the two the two main ones are obviously the best actors in this, as in the um, McKay and Charles Chapman. But Andrew Scott is my favourite stand-in for you know you've got um, Colin Firth, you've got Benedict Cumberbatch, haven't you? You've got what's your man called Mark Strong. There's it's dotted with all these like big ones, yeah. but I think Colin Firth's one was 
Mm. Did it need to be Colin Firth? I don't know. Yeah, I think it did. I think that's that's your trailer shot, him laying out this uh, mm. this plan. I think he looks the part. I think he looks very he, does, he looks yeah, very he, good just the way he's lit. It's like yeah. the lighting's like underneath him and it's like the torch under your chin to tell a scary yeah. story, basically. Yeah, 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 yeah. And ultimately I think you can close your eyes and him telling you what you need to do in that scene works. I perfectly. suppose Colin Firth is just effortlessly charming, isn't he? That's kind I of don't why think he's charming in, in this. I think he's well, like, he, he's, he's a bastard, really. Yeah, I know, I know, but yeah, but aren't most <laughs> But then I guess charming. if he doesn't ask two of them, he's got to ask two other people to do it. So and he it's... and they do it. He gets them to do it. It depends what you what you define charming as. Charming is getting people on side, right? He gets um, the two of them on side. Yeah, my technically. Uh, my real issue here is that I watch films now and much like the conversation we have with Lord of the Rings could someone not have just like dropped a message out of a plane could someone <laughs> there has to know, be a better way of doing this I know but what you mean you movie logic you have to not in World War 1 they like I guess you you'd probably think in World War 1 would you not have sent off a carrier pigeon or something I like that I don't know what the hell they could have done but this this was because they used to use in those. the same way as Lord of the Rings a lot of things have to go right for this plan to work we're and not, to get this message out we're there. We're not going into Lord of the Rings. We will do Lord of the Rings on this pod, but you maintain that they could have just jumped on an eagle and flew to Mount Doom. No, not, I know because I know that the, the I was I was exaggerating for, easy, for effect. But even with Gandalf's plan, a lot of things have to go right for them to destroy the ring. Is what I'm saying. Yeah. And so in this situation as well, a lot of things have to go right for this plan to work more than just. It's well, his brother, he's going to get the message there. They fully believed, Firth believed that they were pushed all the way back. And it was the but, actual distance that they, they go, he goes, no, isn't because, that far. Because he asks, as soon as they get out of the trench, he's like, why did they give they, grenades yeah, there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, very good point. To be fair, that's one of my favourite quotes, actually. <laughs> I do I do have that written down as one of my favourite quotes. But if you put yourself in uh, Colin Firth's shoes there, yeah, the second they leave and they've got on their way. If someone else in that trench goes, 50 quid, do they make it? Do they not make it? Which bet are you taking? <sighs> it's like, it's like 15 to one on that they don't make it. <laughs> it has to be. No, I don't. <sighs> Even just the time. Yeah, I suppose. I no, do you know what? I think that they fought in that trench that they would make it because otherwise they would send more than two. I know he said, what does he say? Light, light hands and fast. Yeah, he quotes Roger Kipling. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but light load makes fast work or something. Yeah, and traveling alone and um, <laughs> very Frodo and Sam. But I mean, no, I think they think they're going to make it because they don't want sixteen hundred people to die at the end of the day. He might be a bastard, but he's not. He's not a German. No. <laughs> um. The scene across no man's land. Yeah. The the constant tension, I guess, that a shot could come at any moment because we've seen so many of the films like this where it's silent, it's eerie. One of them probably says something like, oh, they really have gone. And then ping, a shot near misses. Yeah. But this really sets the stall out for war and the setting as good as anything else in the rest of the film. Yeah, it's the quietness that is scary, isn't it? Yeah, you just expect something to happen because this mm, couldn't because you're watching be a film so easy. Yeah, you're watching a film. You're thinking the way this film is scored, by the way, is 
the strings, yeah, perfect the strings are as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Throughout, like one of, I mean, one of the best scenes is is when the city is on fire and the strings yeah, kick yeah, in. We'll, we'll get to that. that. We will yeah. get to that. But that when the strings kick in, there, it's actually like, oh my god, Just the little things on the battlefield that I wouldn't even have comprehended with my own like vision. Yeah. The horde of flies that are feasting on a horse's intestines. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The next horse is like down to skeletal remains. Yeah, it's after. just got half a face, yeah. And the music is just loud enough to build dread, but the sound effects are still leveled enough that the rattling of the barbed wire, mm. each footstep into a bog, him holding back the barbed wire and then it pinging into his hand yeah, made I me know. properly clench I know, up. I know. Each it's, deep breath, you can hear everything you so vividly. You don't need to put music in there because... It is scarier because there is some music, but it, it complements it like it a well. drone. It's like a drone in yeah. the background, but it, it's scarier having it more silent because it's like you're there following them, and you kind of you're holding your breath whilst they're doing it. So if there's if in the background it was like, like it just wouldn't work, would it? So there was something that they did on uh, Sicario mm. where you get this shot as they're heading to the motorway, and it's almost this like. Uh, over the top and that worked because it's so nothing mm. that you, you're still uh, everything else is still like lucid but yeah, yeah. this this also that works. that loud drone is is so Batman as well <laughs> yeah well Schofield gets jump scared and puts his open wound into the yeah. open stomach of it's a grim. fallen soldier and I'd forgotten that that it's happened grim. yeah we are very much I spoke about it earlier in the, the personality of, of uh, the camera Mm-hmm. It is very much like a third man for this scene that's just kind of coming up behind them. Yeah, you're following. You are following them. It doesn't yeah. it doesn't feel like a it doesn't feel like a third person's with them, but it feels like you're with them. Did you ever go on one of them simulation machines at like Ten Pin Ten or a Mega Bowl or whatever? It was uh, used, it was like a black car. You basically sit in there and you get. Taken oh yeah, 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 yeah. I did a, um, like I did a space shuttle one once. Yeah, yeah, yeah. great. No, the the lighting is perfect in this scene. It's like that crisp morning kind of lightness. I'd like mm. to have had a timestamp for what time they are leaving. Yeah. The planes overhead in the cinema were like uncomfortably loud as they should be. Mm. And that must have been some of the only stuff that they CGI'd, right? The planes and stuff. Because I mean, when the plane later on, I say later on, it was not that later on, when it crashes, it's not an actual plane that they've crashed. All, all I have from uh, the director and cinematographer is that minimal... CGI was used. Oh yeah, it's all practical. So I don't yeah, know. I don't know specifically what it was. But they definitely didn't fucking crash, crash a plane. Yeah. Um, every now and then, like the way this scene ends, you get something shocking enough that just kind of makes you take note. Like not so much that has you like jumping out of your seat, but there's a yeah. man with barbed wire wrapped around his head, and it's like Schofield himself is learning about things at the same time as us. Is like, that the one that they call the bowing man? I don't know. The one that's the one that's hunched over. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Andrew Scott. And he's like, when you see the bowing man, yeah, go to the right. Yeah. And he's and then you're like, who, when he's saying that, you're thinking, who the hell's yeah, the bowing man? Proper and then when you see him, you're like, wow, that's the bowing man. Yeah. I can't believe you just you just glanced over his his and I think he's one of the one of the best parts in this, Andrew Scott. When he looks at them and he goes, Cheerio then and then just walks off. Like it's so good. I didn't. I didn't so, want to go so through good. the the whole film, so I've got my own highlights. You you want to welcome to? Uh, yeah, it's just he. I honestly think he steals it. I liked. Uh, they have the bet done there by what day of the week it is. Yeah, he thought it was Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. and we just walking past before thought it was Tuesday. Yeah, I'd like, hate get that. up, get up, you lazy bastard! I hate Tuesdays. Yeah, yeah, Tuesdays are shit. 
the the German trenches slash tunnel. Mm. So the the classic tripwire straight out the Indiana Jones handbook. Yeah, I know. Probably is the reality of what they would have done though. Yeah, well that that pesky rat. We've got the foreshadowing here of him not wanting to kill the rat, and it ends up getting them blown up. And then obviously he hesitates down the line too. Yeah, uh, and the same happens. A nice quote as well. Even their rats are bigger than ours. Yeah, that's uh, a good quote. I actually think this scene is really important because it creates the the bait and switch, something I was going to go into later. Blake rescues Schofield in this scene. Yeah. And I think subliminally, it confirms what we were thinking already, and that's that he is our hero. Yeah. He is our main man. Yeah, you do. And it's his brother. He has to rescue. He's the guy that's taken charge here. He yep. digs him out. You think he's toast there and then. Yep. He's the Storm and Norman. He's the one that's charging off. The other one doesn't want to go. So he's the reluctant hero. But then you always back the reluctant hero. Yeah, Sam is the true hero of Lord of the Rings. I'll get into the switch in the in the, in yeah. the next scene. But him digging him out. Any part of you that thought <laughs> he was toast there and then? Because we get yeah. a death later on. Yeah. Did you think it maybe he was dead here? Um, which one, uh, Chapman? So McKay, because he's under the rubble, isn't he? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, first time watching it, I thought he was dead. Yeah, your man took a explosion from I'm guessing what C four was C four around and at he, that time. He gets that out with a few bruises. Yeah, and he's just <laughs> he's just buried under I don't know, like maybe three or four inches of brick. He's inhaled God knows how much powder. Like he's very, very. He's done very, very well to be in one piece. That uh, that jump they have to do. Oh God, yeah. I would be toast. Yeah, I would be oh, toast. Well, yeah, you have to trust me. Just jump. D- did you ever have to do that like uh, vault, like jump in the box in PE with the little springboard, the pummel horse thing? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm not. I'm not a jumping man. So <laughs> from when I was remembering, it, I jump. thought he still had to. Um, he was still holding onto the back of him. They no, had to jump no, together. No, no. no, he's by himself. And I was thinking, if someone's, if I'm the one leading behind there, You're someone's definitely down. jumping over and saying, "Look, jump yourself, <laughs> jump yeah, yourself." Yeah. Here. No, he he just tells him to jump over that gap. He doesn't tell him how far to jump or whatever. He's just, just jump as far jump, as you can. Yeah. Jump, yeah, yeah. They they used to say I shrunk when I jumped to football. Like I'd yeah. have been, I'd have been no good. Here. It's the same as. Um, like, you know, the, the cube with Philip Schofield. <laughs> they're like blindfolded and they're telling them what to do over like the trips and stuff. There, there's a point when they get out the other side here where they kind of are like, yeah, fair play. Like, mm. they did what they had to do. You nearly got us, like... He calls them sneaky. bastards. Yeah, yeah. It's like, those bastards, but like we would have done exactly the same. Probably the most I resonate with anyone in this whole film is Schofield after this. He's like, why did you have to choose me? And he's like, well, I didn't know what I was choosing you for. He's like, of course, like you never yeah. do. And that yeah. means nothing, by the way. But in the moment, it makes perfect sense to him where yeah. he's like, you always do this. They've obviously never had this situation yeah. before. Yeah. yeah. But I would also, in his shoes, you would be, be entirely livid. Like, you would be pissed. Why have you done this Again, it's the same as Cloverfield where they all follow that lad to go and get his <laughs> girl. Like, to be fair, why he's you- got more to gain than Rob has. Rob, yeah. we already know at this point, She's like spiked in her yeah. apartment, and he's yeah. going. She might be okay. Yeah, yeah. This, yeah. I mean, camaraderie is part of being a soldier, isn't it? Like they, yeah. they were all in it together. They say that in war, you're not fighting for country; you're fighting for the man stood either side of you. Um, kind of makes sense. The 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 plane crash slash yeah Blake dying yeah set up so nicely the. Mm. The, sh- the camera does like a 360 around Schofield as we see him getting his milk 
He's got that really nice speech as well where he speaks about the trees. Um, the Germans cut down the, they're like fruit trees. Fig, are they figs? I don't know. And then he's like, um, will they grow again? And then he says, yeah. More of them, yeah. More, yeah, even more. The funny thing is, even more, more will grow or something. It's like a nice metaphor for like. And we see him at the end, don't we? Yeah, yeah. 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 So in right before the plane crashes, we see like a lone cow in a field, overcast weather. Mm. You can hear the cow just to show you how quiet it is. Yeah. Blake comes out of the house and this is as calm as things have been for them in the entire film so far. Mm. Everything's completely quiet. Mm. They're getting some milk. There's no one else around. They're getting some water. Mm. But uh, he does say, he says, I don't like it here, doesn't he? And then that kind of puts yeah. the dread in your mind. You're like, well, you're thinking, well, I'm there with them. If he doesn't like it here, neither do I. I also think like the criticism of the checkpoint kind of nature of this, the fact that it's shot almost like a 24 episode. Like, I've never watched 24. But it's, it's you know, the concept. Yeah, yeah, it's being done in real time. Right? So yeah. almost anywhere they go, something has to happen here mm-hmm. to make it worth it because we're seeing it in, in, in real time. Yeah. And so nothing has happened yet. And they look up. And as they look up, the camera follows their line of sight. Yeah. And again, just to drive home really how numb they are to the war at this stage. Are we winning? Yeah, who's yeah. winning? It's like a sports match. And yeah, we're still is, peeking yeah. through the panels on the barn, which kind of builds the suspense And it's well. not even a particularly, it's not an epic No, it's a lot dog of, fight, it's 2v1. It? It's just, yeah, but it's not like, you know, it's not like a Star Wars scene where well, it's like... they don't see it really. We're looking at you're it just, through the you're panels just watching, the You're just casually watching three planes sort of circling around each other, sort of firing shots at each other one gets hit and starts to come down you're like oh there's another one it's not this isn't yeah it's not Star Wars where it's like pew, 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 yeah. and, then and all that we spoke a lot about depth last week when we did Get Out mm. and the depth of the shot is great here when they finally realise the plane is hurtling in their direction it's yep. like uh, Indiana Jones all those great Crash Bandicoot levels where you're running away from the, the snowball yeah or the yeah, boulder yeah, boulder, yeah. <laughs> oh, I love them on the polar bear yeah. <laughs> so good yeah and what I was saying before, I think the turning point of the film and where we realise who the main character really is, I think, mm. is that they've dragged this guy out of the plane. He's burning. And the camera follows. Yeah, and it follows yeah. him rather yeah. than sticks yeah, yeah, with yeah. our man. Yeah, yeah. That is, yeah, that is the turning point. And is that, does that come, is it about halfway through the film or is, is it Yeah, because I, I paused it to see how long was left. I think, I think it was 52 through. minutes left yeah. at that stage. So you do kind of get that halfway point, yeah. Because then from there, for him, shit hits the fan. Yeah, because the so the invisible it's cameraman significantly has, worse for that kid by himself. Yeah, has chosen to follow him. Mm-hmm. It works well that we don't actually see yeah. him get stabbed. We hear the struggle. We turn around and you it's see too the late. blade on the floor. Pings him twice. Yeah, out of here. Yeah, that's very real, isn't it? That scene. And um, then he yeah. that so. That must have been CGI because he's pale. I I've I've got so much to say on this because it, he go it's it's hyper it's hypervolemic shock. So he the, go he loses a lot of blood very quickly, and he goes pale as fuck very quickly. And that's the reality of what happens when you lose a lot of, this, lot of blood like that. This death scene is as good as anything I've seen in mm. however many years. Yeah. Like the realization that it's as bad as it is his scream. Oh God. Oh God. Yeah. 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 And it's better that Schofield clearly has no idea what to do, which Mm. makes it more realistic. He doesn't have this superhuman strength where he can now lift him up over his head. He tries to suggest getting them to an aid post, which is just not going to happen. No, and he knows that. He's just panicking. Yeah. Yeah. 
But yeah, the way the colour drains from his face, seeing that in the cinema, I remember that really shook me. Yeah, that's what happened. Because I know film deaths are obviously different mm. to real deaths. I'd never seen it done like this before. The speed of of how it happened. Just so simple as well. It's not It's not even like he's been stabbed through the heart or stabbed, you know, in the head. He's He's been stabbed. I think he's just stabbed in the stomach. But the reality yeah. is that it's, it's he's losing enough, yeah. a lot of blood. Yeah. And he does try to patch it. He puts that kind of like, is it his gauze or he puts? Yeah, he tries to pat it down, he, and then tries they to both they both realise like, like, it's just going to bleed through that. Yeah, you're you're done. Um, and that's the reality of we're we're really not very um, strong creatures. It doesn't take a lot to kill a human. Like Even we're like we're made out of meat. The, the how beautifully it's shot in such a like sequence. Yeah, the the ash coming from the burning barn mm. is like snow in the frame just kind yeah. of trickling across yeah, it's almost yeah, yeah. like shimmering behind them yeah and I think for stuff like that because it is again a continuous shot you must have had people in the background it must have been so hard for them to act in that moment and be in that moment because they must have had I reckon at least 10 people in the background actively trying to get you know fan the what? the the flares into that shot to make it look like that. I wonder what it would be like for them. I, I said last week about how much of those it's actors really, are actors It's really like hard to it. act when you've got like 10, 20 other people so around you fannying about. Listening to Sandler mm. and Brad Pitt was the, the last one I watched. Yeah. Hearing them talk about it, they say whenever you get a script for a film they're going to do, mm. you flick through it and you can quite clearly pinpoint the daylight that's going to be a rough one. Yeah. That's the one you're building yourself up for. Yeah. This, for the pair of them, is going to be the one where they're like, mm. this is like cup final, matched out, got to be locked in. Yeah. Um, I don't know whether this this was shot um, shot chronologically. I, uh, not a clue. I mean, it, it must, I guess it must have been. Uh, not entirely. I know one of the, they shot the two tree scenes close right. together so okay. the first day on set they shot the final tree scene mm. and then the first tree scene was one of the the last things they shot because they say all the crew were laughing because they'd been pissing against that tree mm. the whole time they were filming because the toilets were so far away they usually on um, film sets they'll shoot the deep emotional stuff first just because then you've got you've kind of got more time to put into it to get it right. Well, and then the other like throwaway shots, they call them. We're going to just less, it takes less um, energy basically as an actor. We'll do a mention later as well. I know the first thing they filmed for euphoria season two yeah. was Sydney Sweeney's. I've never been happier where she's cracking up in the mirror, like the close up. That's the first thing they filmed for the whole season. Yeah, which is and it's like the biggest the breakdown intense. in the whole. Yeah, exactly. Other than I guess ruse. That's because well, yeah. you need you need the energy. The actor needs the energy. Although I guess at the end of a two month shoot, if you're that exhausted, that can works well. Yeah. Work. Yeah, I suppose it depends which way you want to play it. But usually the deep stuff is done first. Yeah, if I think I, that's that's the biggest um, stakes moment in the entire film. If I had any criticism of this film, it would be that. Like I said, the trade-off for this style is that there can't be any hanging around. So they ultimately cash in that chip when he's pinged in the head later and they can't afford any more breaks really without breaking the structure. So they can really use it once and they use it to go from day to oh, night. Oh, when he's knocked out, yeah. 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 So they, they couldn't use anything here, which does mean 
we may have maybe a slight suspension of belief when this whole squad of troops appears like the second he's killed. Like, would yeah. they not have rushed to the burning plane? Yeah. Yeah. Slight nitpick. Not, it's nothing. No, I know what you mean. They do just rock up out of It didn't nowhere. bother me till like the fourth time of watching the yeah. film. Yeah, they do. And they're just like, you're right, mate. Like, yes. Where were you 10 minutes ago? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But I suppose that's the reality of, um, of war, isn't it? Like you can. But there's just... a whole like there's a truck of they're, yeah, they're stuck in the mud already at this point. It's like <laughs> where, yeah, where the hell true. were you? And you've got that pompous general or whatever he is. Just... Well, yeah, we we also see how futile things are when he's just pulled away and told not to dwell on it. Like he's not even given a second with his feelings, and he just leaves. They don't bury him either. No, that's the thing. There's like well, he's uh, left the same way the film starts. Yeah, left just face up, covered on yeah. his back. Yeah, yeah, just left up against that barn. Yeah, just but that even that is just so soul destroying isn't it you yeah, think there's the, about 20 soldiers they could have at least dug a grave for him you've got the especially when you've seen what happens earlier about 20 minutes 30 minutes earlier you've seen the reality of what happens to bodies that are left on the battlefield they're just rats it's just oddly through them it's oddly formal like mm. you've got the shock of it happening the the pain of what the hell's happening here the yeah. fear of I'm going to be on my own this guy's dying yeah. and then the confusion of what do I do now he's do I take his photo? Should I leave that with him? So it's like with his body. What? He doesn't take his bag either. That's, no, he that's leaves his photo with him. Yeah, that's a nitpick because you'd think that he would take the bag. Well, he with takes us. his ring. He takes his tags. I think he's he still got to travel. He takes his he? identifier and stuff. Yeah, yeah, I know. But I think you would take the bag as a supplies thing. I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. He's just left us in another inanimate corpse left to rot. Yeah, basically. exactly. Yeah. The cinematography I, I mentioned earlier. Sam Mendes is linking up with Roger Deakins, who's like one of the gods Kings. of cinematography. Yep. Yeah. Yep. He linked up with him for Skyfall, several other films. They, they've just created such, a, I keep using the word beautiful, but it's a beautiful film here in such rough circumstances that they're mm. filming. Between them, they open Skyfall with that tracking shot through Mexico that winds up revealing Bond in a mask. And the whole sequence looks great and it feels intimate and I think he honestly just took the plaudits from that and was like, what's the grandest scale I can do this on now? Mm. I think cinematographers and directors, they're always trying to one-up themselves and do better. Well, he got a knight, he's got a knighthood, Roger Deakins. Sam yeah. Mendes also as well. Yeah. Um, he won over 40 awards for 1917 alone. Well, that makes sense. I mean, well, actually, 40 awards is a lot. Yeah, he's done Skyfall, Blade Runner 2049, yeah, which I believe film. you like. That's uh, good film. Sicario, most yeah. Cohen brothers pictures. So yeah. Sam Mendes and the Cohen brothers, that's a nice couple of partnerships to have. Yeah. Sicario, you could there's like ten shots in there that are yeah. just incredible. Yeah. There's one yeah. with the silhouettes across uh, the sand. The sound what he does here is is perfect. I mentioned it earlier, volume wise, like Sam Mendes' crew just nails it the whole way through. Uh as for cinematographers, I I did a lot more reading on guess what they do not to dumb it down too much this week and i gather their role varies really with some directors they're very hands-on with the shot composition yeah. other times they may plot things out with their own vision and then it's down to the director to do as he pleases and gets storyboarded a lot so you literally draw almost like um cartoons it's like a comic book yeah, usually others can almost just be brought on basically as extra but, cameraman with a fancy name yeah, by how much they're if, trusted. If you have like, yeah, if you have a really good cinematographer, then they're going to, they're not going to direct the film in terms of acting and the general narrative, but they will 
they will make the shots look incredible. So, so you can just trust that that's going to happen. So for this film, Deakin said it was almost like a dance. They had to yeah. really carefully plot each shot and he had to be more hands-on and find the right balance when instructing actors. Because he, I, I read an interview with him and he said, ultimately, that's not his job. He can give some pointers to say, this is how this is going to look best. Yeah, He said, usually, you don't want to restrict the movement of actors too much because they need to feel as free as possible in what they're doing. But yep. in this case, you need to block they were it. really restricted yeah, by their you style. To, you need to block it, yeah. You need to. You, um, It's not a cinematographer's job to anything to do with the acting has nothing to do with cinematography. They just know that they want you to stand an inch to the left because that's where you're going to look. You're going to be in that golden sun. Whereas if you're stood an inch to the right, you're in perpetual so, darkness. So they don't really care about if, the acting in that sense. If we were to simplify it, would it be fair to say that the director would be the one instructing the expression that he or she would like to see from the actor and then it would be the cinematographer's, cinematographer's job to figure out how that would be best framed and yeah. lit etc. A cinemat- uh, director is a director the same as they are in, in the theatre. They'll block things in terms of they want you know, they want this actor upstage, they want this actor downstage, this is going to happen, this is going to happen but a cinematographer is the same as like a lighting is a, is the same as a lighting director in the theatre. They from, they need you to be stood in that angle at that time. From what I gather, I guess because of the stack of respect he's earned, mm. Deakins probably does more than your average. Oh, hundred percent. And yeah. Yeah. a lot of it seems to be down to the the partnership you have with that director. Once you've worked on a number of films together, trust they're going to yeah. trust what you're offering more. Yeah. They may alter things to get what you want more. And it may be... I think most of the best things that have ever been produced film-wise or theatre-wise, TV show-wise, it's usually a partnership, right? Because, you know, you, you've got that trust in that other person. You look at like, I don't know, <laughs> for some reason, the only ones at the top of my head are Ricky Gervais and Stephen Merchant, but like they... They don't work together anymore, but the, when they did work together, you just knew that it was going to be gold. Like, you know. Well, I got some, this kind of follows over because the the city on fire scene is as aesthetically pleasing as anything I've ever seen on screen. Yeah, it's insane. It is insane. First question for you to get to this point. Do you have any issue with them using him going unconscious as a narrative device to break the shot? No. They had to use it at some point. I no, guess, because to, to go from day to night. No, they didn't. They, didn't, they, they had didn't. to pass time some way, and he had to have some. Mm. They weren't going to have him awake for the best part of two days. No. Yeah. No. It. It. I guess it technically is the only thing that breaks the shot. Um. You know, in, in that continuity. Yeah. But no, because it works. Yeah. It's but, not a cop out, is it? I don't think so. I mean, yeah, I guess how else? Uh, how else would you introduce day tonight? He'd have had to sleep. That would be literally yeah, he'd have to sleep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he doesn't. So he gets he gets shot, doesn't he? But it's like it. He, he gets tagged in like the shoulder or something. I think it. No, I he think his. I think out. his helmet gets pinged. And that oh, is that what it out. is? Yeah. Oh, he cut, okay. Yeah, because that guy shoots him, doesn't he? Yeah. They shoot each other. He he kills him, and the one clocks that comes him in back, the helmet. Clocks his helmet. Yeah. Mate, that would make sense. He falls back, knocks himself unconscious. Yeah. Because I did, I I did think that. Um, why is he not bleeding out? Sort of thing. Oh yeah, but the back of his head's bleeding. He has it? some blood on him. Yeah, the back of his head's bleeding. And this, yeah, probably, there's a yeah, bit of mix and match here. This whole collection of scenes is insane. Um, Deacon is is in his bag. He got really creative. He, the shot where he walks out, 
and you see the city on fire and it's all like glaringly white. I'm going to get that behind you there. On there. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it's just glaringly white and you've got like, I mean, what? Actually, I think we mean different scenes. Actually, I mean, when everything's burning, when he walks out of the like uh, ruins, like of, of a chapel, you've got the yeah, statue. Yeah, yeah, no, no, that's that's what. Yeah, yeah. that's the same. Uh, but you've got. Is it later? No, it's later on when he starts running, and then it's all. So there's two scenes. He runs basically yeah. to get to a point, and then he goes underground, and then he comes the out strings, and he has to run again. The strings come in when you first see the chapel and stuff. Don't yeah, you? there's that yeah. crescendo, that build up in the background, and it is just. But that must all be an actual broken chapel. I'll, 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 so I'll tell you in a because second. Because it does kind of look like a backdrop. Yeah, this... I think he got some practice in because Deacon says the directive he basically got for Skyfall was that Bond was emerging from the shadows. And so we had all this creativity to basically... Shadows were like a character in the film. It was bring this out the best you can. You can go through... You could, you could make a... A, a, a picture book of shots from Skyfall. The yeah. one of the the burning old houses they go across. There's so there's when they so look much. back and it's just on fire. Yeah, um, and is so, it getting warmer? Yeah. So we they, they had plenty of practice to then come into this film. Yeah. Where there's so much that you can do. The the way they actually shot the burning was they got a massive lighting rig for the burning church, which was five stories high, consisted of over 2,000 tungsten lamps. Mm. Um, it was the largest lighting rig ever built for a film set. Uh, and basically then the lights were transformed into the, the inferno by visual effects in post-production. Yeah, yeah. Because, uh, yeah, that makes sense. There is, I was going to say, there is some sort of editing going on there because yeah. it just looks... It look it honestly looks like majestic, like heavenly. It looks like you've literally it heavenly is the word for it. It's, <laughs> it's glaringly white and yeah, yeah. The first sprinting he does, which I think is what you may have been referring to, where it's not lit by flames at this point. The flare no. has gone up. Yeah, and, is that what? So the, there's those sudden bursts yeah. of white. Is that that's so, not spotlights, is it? So flares have gone up, and then. The the shadows are basically being lit by flashes of gunshots. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so you get it's it insane. occasionally. It's like you mentioned Cattle Country earlier. They used to go in that maze with the Minotaur in there, and <laughs> it would go go, and it would flash. You get these flashing oh, yeah, lights, yeah. and you get around the corner. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's so it's it's kind of like a. I thought you meant that they just let a random bull off no, in the play no. area. I was uh, like, Luke, that's that's not a thing. In in a later season, I really want us to do. Um, bodies, 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 and they do the the lighting in there yep. with the the strobes and things. Yeah. To, to gauge because that distance. is that's basically what it that's basically what they're using isn't it but um, I was thinking what in the context of the film what is that is it spotlights that they've got up on top of are those flashes of white spotlights that they've got up on top of buildings because they're looking for him or is it flares that have gone up I think it's flares yeah because yeah, yeah, it's almost like fireworks everything's lighting up yeah, yeah. Um, but it's, it looks so good yeah, him, and him. it feels so real him sprinting so out real. is just so nice to look at with every, when the, when everything's burning. Mm. Because I would always speak on here before. I love the the snowy aesthetic, mostly so in Everest. Like I could watch the first half of Everest on mute, and I think this is equ- equally beautiful on the opposite side of things. Like the shot as he Everest, emerges from what the Kate Winslet one. Um, is it Idris Elba and Kate Winslet? I made that up. No, it's uh, Kira Knightley's in it. Jake Gyllenhaal's in it. Josh Brolin. Oh, what the hell am I thinking of then? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I've made that up in my head. 
um, Kate Winslet and Elba. I think Kate Win. I think Kate Winslet might be in it. Have they ever been in a film together? Is Idris Elba? I'm pretty sure Idris Elba's not in it. From memory, he's not in it, and I really like the film. <laughs> carry on, carry on. J- Jason Jason Clark's in it. Um, he threw me off. Basically, we 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 did that on here, and I I just love looking at that film. <laughs> it's, called, it's called the Mountain Between Us. Oh. It does exist. Oh no, that's a far newer one. Is that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew that I'd watched it. No, this is this is 2015. It's the it's the quietest I've ever heard of cinema. It oh. was like quieter than silence. It was. That's weird to me though, because so I've not seen this ever as film clearly. Um, but you don't like um, what's it called? You know what it's called? Uh, DiCaprio. What you won the Oscar for? The Revenant. You don't like the Revenant? No, no, no. That's weird to me though. Is Everest, that not what Everest is like? Everest. The whole it's them on an expedition. It's a true story that that mm. goes wrong basically, but it's it's really good. But we did that on here, and Keenan texted me after, and he was like. Why have you made me watch that? It's just so horrible. Like, what? it's just so horrible. Why have you made me watch that? But it looks, it looks so nice. Like yeah. my background in here is a screenshot from uh, Everest. Nice. I should watch it. I've, I've it's, not it's, heard of it. It's really, it's basically Gyllenhaal. Yeah, mm. yeah. The the cast is insane. Josh Brolin, yeah. Gyllenhaal, uh, Kira Knightley. Mm. Really, really good. I've not seen her in anything for ages. Jason Clark, who's uh, always underappreciated, I think, but. Yeah, this mm. is the opposite. The, the flames, everything about it on a completely different scale. It's this like is hell. This is like bright white. Yeah. And this is like the the yeah. black of night with just yeah. the red intensity of the flames. Yeah. It's it, just so good. Isn't it's it? one of the best shots I've ever seen, that one of him emerging yeah. with... Uh, there's quite a lot of religious themes throughout this film, mm-hmm. like motifs throughout it. And this yeah. is uh, really nice. Yeah. And... I think they capture that really well in this film. I think they capture death really well. Yeah. Just how sudden and brutal and... Well, not even actually brutal is the opposite. Just how simple it is. It's so simple for humans to die. We I'm, die so easily. I'm blending a lot of these scenes, but the moment when he has to take out the German soldier, the one yeah. that he basically says, don't yell for help, and, and he then, tries to yeah, yell for help. It gives him a chance. Do you think that this was involved, just to make clear that this wasn't... I mentioned Lord of the Rings earlier, for mm. example. Lord of the Rings is very clear-cut. These are the good guys. These are the bad it's good guys. good versus evil. Yeah. yeah. In this, do you think... Good versus him, evil is subjective in war. And he, Yeah, so him killing this guy is ultimately doing his job. He chooses to yell out. Yep. He has to take the executive decision and he strangles him. Yep. Do you think this is to make it far clearer that this isn't as... He's not the hero in this story. Yeah, I think it's... Because the, the guy he kills before is very clear cut. He's just killed his friend. It's a self-defense situation. This one, there are there's other ways to manage the situation. He could have tried running. He probably would have taken a bullet in the back. I'm just saying No. This, yeah. He had to do what he, he had, had to do. do what he had to do. Yeah. But do you think it's in there to make you just ask yourself some questions? I think it's in there to make you think this is what these young lads had to do he didn't want to kill him no he gives him a chance and I think that's the case in so many stories in war specifically like if me and you got sent to war now do you think we'd want to blow say we went to war with Russia do you think we'd want to blow off these Russian lads heads no we wouldn't but we had to like we they he had to kill him yeah because I think the scene um 
he had where to kill they, that where kid, they pulled but he didn't want to kill that out, kid. Or when he's walking through the, when he gets to the top of that, it's the second chamber. time. It's the second time in the film he tries to save someone. Yeah, yeah. When he gets to the top of the chamber, well, actually, he he tries to kill the pilot. He says, "Let's put him out of his misery." And it's, oh yeah, it's Blake that's true. Because he's on him. fire, isn't yeah. he? Yeah. I think. Uh, yeah, it's supposed to make you ask some questions. Because I think if I was at war and I see them, I mean, it's not going to work. I'd go. Neither of us want to do this here. Should we? Let's both pretend we've not seen each other. <laughs> you close, but my that's eyes. kind of what he does. He's that like, is look, like just... the highest stakes game of golden balls ever. <laughs> <laughs> do do I, I carry sp- on walking without looking over my do shoulder? Do I split your life or do I steal it? Well, it's like, yeah. do we? Do I trust you to not ping me in the back, and do you trust me not to ping you in the back? Yeah, to be honest, do so. What what question am I asking? Was he in the right to do it? No. Do you think it was included in the film just so it wasn't? Quite literally, good, evil. Yeah, um, I guess so. Because that kid, you're led to believe, he strangles him, he kills him. Um, again, he kills him so simply. that yeah. He dies so quickly whilst his comrade is just pissed up, yeah. wandering, you know, stumbling towards him. And he's just murdered a guy in front of yeah. him. And he doesn't even see it. Like that guy's life is just done. It's just nulled. See you later. Yeah. He's just unalived. And no one's even there to particularly see no. it. He gives him a chance. He fucks that chance up. And it's just the brutality of war is you, I mean, you're fighting and you're killing people for someone else's benefit, basically. The, the, the moment of the guy in the distance that we don't know if they're an op or not, mm. the camera pans out to give us this kind of grander view. And it's yeah, also it does. nice. I it think does, yeah. the scale can be lost at points here like mm. in the trenches it's very easy it's very secluded and you know exactly where you are you very know narrow frame the dimensions yeah. Yeah. And, yeah and this I think the darkness kind of makes up for it with the feeling mm. in terms of the seclusion because the strength of the start of the film is how compact everything feels do you know another thing that works so well in this film is how shit they are at shooting as well which is the reality. I mean, you've got Sam Mendes who... So that's one of the criticisms, actually, is that uh, in this scene, a lot of the German soldiers fire from the hip when it'd be so yeah. easy to just shoot properly. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Just stand still, put it to your shoulder and shoot. But then you've got the stark contrast with Sam Mendes doing a James Bond film where every single James Bond adversary doesn't seem to know how to shoot properly, whereas James Bond can hit a guy from... A hundred meters away. Yeah, like, for, I've only just thought about it. the first half of the film, or maybe the first third. The guy, the guy up in the tower. Realistically, he had the high ground. Yeah, which as as yeah, we know, another, we've yeah. also we've all seen Revenge of the Sith. Having the high ground means that you win. So he should have taken him out. Really. So for the first third, they're almost they're blending in when they're trying to break free. There's so many other people, mm. and they're trying to separate themselves. For the second half of the film, they're on a much grander scale and it's just one guy and it captures how alone he yeah. is really and they do that really well as he kind of moves from what other criticism say cut scene to cut scene he yeah. goes across these different landscapes yeah I asked you then about the message of the film if that's what they were trying to do does a film need a message so some say this film is too obviously Germans bad English people good I, I take it, it as that. it's like a it's a perspective we're on these guys' side. Yeah, I don't think it says that. And they tried to say it. they he he sympathises with the two no. other guys whose paths he crosses, doesn't he? Yeah, 
Yeah. I don't think it says that. I think when you're watching a film, you have to, when you're watching a film, uh, you know, as an audience member, you're following the protagonist of that film, right? So regardless of whether they're English or German, because this film is from an English perspective, you're following the good guys, which are the English guys. But then you've got films like All Quiet on the Western Front, which is from the German perspective. And that was number... I think I'm going to watch that tonight. That was number one on Netflix not long ago. And it's, it's a remake, but it's an incredible film. Yeah. And that's from the German perspective. And you're like... So when you're watching that, you're not watching it going... Well, these are yeah. these are assholes. If you were to watch a film from a stormtrooper's perspective in Star Wars, <laughs> you'd probably think Luke Skywalker was an absolute asshole for blowing up the Death Star and killing millions of people. Finish well, as soon as I finished 1917, because I've heard nothing but good things about uh, Western or, Front. Or quite on the Western Front, it's so good. I was going to watch it, and I thought I didn't want to blend the two before we'd done this. So sure. I yeah, I get that. After. I get that. There's, I know for a fact that you're gonna. If you watch it later, you're going to be texting me later on yeah. saying this is incredible because it is a great film. If it's all subtitled, it's all German, but you feel sorry for them because the casualties of war are the people that died for other people's if, ego, basically. If I had to ask you to place this in a category, say Netflix is splitting their war films, yeah. they're splitting it pro-war, anti-war, mm. which does this go into? Anti-war. Okay. I was just asking. Yeah, yeah definitely anti-war. Uh, one of the last scenes, and feel free if you've got any more, was is the conclusion of the film. He's got to where he needs to be. Yeah. The water part is good. Um, very grim when we realise he has to drag himself over those like inflated bodies to get to land. Awful. Um, and yep. that, that moment where the PTSD kicks in, or yeah. the shock or whatever it is. Again, again, the, the, the feats of acting, because you know... Uh, it's the beauty. It's another thing about the beauty of this film is that like you're watching it all in one take, so you know that there's no clever breaks here where he's gone. Can we just cut? Sorry, can we just cut so I can get ready for this? He's he's done it all. It's theatre. He there, there is no break, and that's the reality of life. There is no break. He's he's acting in the moment, and he just breaks down for about ten seconds, and then he's back up again and he's back to his mission. It's so good. It's so so good. His uh, his running through just about every trench imaginable to yeah. get to the captain is so good. Him him getting knocked over twice wasn't in the no, script. I that know. just happened. And it's the, the extras. Direct, the yeah, extras run into him, don't they? Mendes told him, "Whatever happens, don't stop acting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whatever happens through the course of through the course of filming, don't stop acting until I tell you to stop acting." Yeah, exactly. Um, but. You, yeah, I knew that as as trivia because I I read it somewhere. But um, even prior to that scene where he's running across the, um, you know, outside of the trench, running across the field, there's also like practical effects explosions going off really close to his face. That's a trailer shot, isn't it? We spoke about them last week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But they're going off like really, really close to his face, and as like as like an actor going through that he must have been like fuck me like this this is actually <laughs> yeah. quite scary because there's there's big explosions and they can I'm not being funny they like they they can really do damage like they're blowing Especially up Especially if he's not been on a project of that size before yeah, as well. Yeah like, and he's going through the trenches and there's some things where you're watching it and you're like shit that was scarily close. 
Like it all feels so real, this film. Yeah. That run across the battlefield is, I think, the perfect conclusion. It's that's the iconic scene from this you've got film, isn't it? Everything you've got the cinematography, yeah. the score kicks in, the script is really good for before, during, and after. It's edited really well, as you've just said. Yeah. Have you watched Sex Education? No, not for me that. No, there's a scene they take the piss out of it in Sex Education. He's like running across like the football field. As if. Yeah. I think everything is just exactly as it needs to be to give you the the desperation that he's at yeah. because he's on he's on his last legs and he he does the classic film. This is like Rocky pulling himself out for the fifteenth round. Yeah, I, I've yeah. got it. I've got some more left yeah. in me. Yeah, and for him to go through all of that madness and then devastation, he almost, he almost doesn't make it into the yeah. actual. Um, underground trench whatever they want to call well, it you'd seen just about every other part of war already to this point so you've seen the abandoned buildings the houses you've seen the starvation that they're going through throughout the film the occupied city at night we've seen various degrees of corpses the scene also the acting with um we've just glossed over the acting between him the woman the french woman and the kid it's just it's gorgeous filmmaking it's just so subtle and so, you know, the casualties of war, we're talking about the soldiers dying and whatever. This woman finds a baby yeah, in, yeah. in a drawer. You know, he's like, Who's, whose child is that? I don't, I don't know. Mendes said that was his favourite part of the whole film. Because, because it's so intimate. He, you find these moments of, he gives them the milk, doesn't he? It's his, these moments of like love. That was something war. from his granddad's uh, yeah. diary or book, but his son was born while making this film. Yeah, and so yeah. he said, just seeing the baby that he knows it's not real, like yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the actual scene, but he's crying while filming it. Because I'm not surprised, yeah, because it's just so intimate. It's like you do find it's part of being human. It's part of like the human experience. You find love in think, war. It's like in World yeah. War Two, where the Germans and the English went out to play football with each other on yeah. Christmas Day. Like, that, that, do you know what I mean? It's it's crazy. The the way the director reels you in in this conclusion that. You think you're here. This is he's going to stop this, and yeah. he, each person he gets to that says, "I'm not the captain. I'm not the captain." <laughs> yeah. Go down yeah. there, and the one Go that's just there. crying, the one that's just breaking yeah. down. Yeah. yeah, and then he gets to the captain, and the captain's like, "Absolutely not. He's a bastard." Yeah, he. That's he, where the Mark Strong thing kicks in. Some people just want the fight. Yeah, he's upset. He's unappreciative of the order to suspend yep. the attack. Yeah. He would rather have all his men die fighting than stand around and wait. Yeah. And, it, and he point, looks menacing as well. He's got that scar across his eye. He looks like the scar out of Lion King. He's like a villain. At that point, you think the whole journey was a waste. Mm. Blake's death. Yep. And they could have the done it. They could have done it that way. Through. They yeah. could have done it that way. He could have. But they still, we still do lose quite a significant amount of yeah, lives. Yeah, the first yeah. wave goes out. Yeah, the first wave goes out. But they could have ended it where that guy's like, you're here now, you're coming out with us. And he could have just been killed off. Like, um, you know, in like Blackadder where they all yeah. die at the end. is, And then know. I think it is the the perfect way to end it, to be honest. Him seeing his brother, the brother just... Richard Madden. Feeling he has to, he, he can't cry that his brother's died because he has to, he's this general, whatever, whatever position he is, sergeant, whatever. Mm. He feels he has to be above that and you can see his lip go in. And- Richard Madden is, I've said this to you for a while now, a couple of years now. He is my choice for the next James Bond. I think he would be a fantastic James Bond. Well, they say it's going to be someone in their 30s that you've probably not seen much of before. Is what I, I, just I think Richard Madden's perfect for James Bond. 
and I think him being in the Sam Mendes film, you know, it adds to that. But yeah, it's like you said, he, um, it's, it's funny. <laughs> it's funny because you always, because Game of Thrones was so, was so huge, you always just look at the characters and be like, oh, so in this, Tommen Lannister is, uh, what's his name? Rob Stark's brother, <laughs> apparently. But it's, yeah, it's just a little thing, but. Well, yeah, he tries. He tries not to break down. He try. He keeps the the stiff upper lip, and then Mackie's gonna leave him. Yeah. And then he goes back, and he actually gives him that. You know, he wasn't afraid. He Wait, was- it goes back as well to when he's in there with the French lady because she asks if he has kids, and he ignores it. Yeah. And then at the end, yeah. he pulls yeah. his photo yeah. out, and he's got a family, yeah. which is why at the start he his said wife- doesn't want to go back because then he has to go back out again. I hate leaving every time. Yeah. I hate leaving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's just that's the, so well the, done. The perfect as well, ending. Yeah. It's so well done because you don't. She asks him in French, "Have you got kids?" Yeah. And on the first watch, you think he's just he doesn't understand what she's saying. Well, she's a kids, doesn't she? Yeah, but then it's like oh, he knows. Well, I think she's she children actually, but he just doesn't answer it. I think it's just it's such it's, a good film. It's kind of they. You see this in other films sometimes, and they they end it in a way to remind you, I guess, of uh, the bigger picture. Because mm. ultimately, he gets back to the tree and it's like, that was just another day. We're not going home now. This isn't yeah. This isn't even a big event. This is yeah. just like... Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly, it just ends. He's He might get blown to bits the next day. He goes day. through all that and he's closer to the front line now. Like, he's in more trouble than he mm. was. He Yeah, he could get blown to bits the next day. It's 1917, yeah. there's, there's more to come, yeah. All right, let's go through our categories. MVP feels obvious. Yeah. Like, it has to be Schofield. It is, yeah, it's the lad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the lad. Best quote. I've got a number of them. Do you have one you want to start with? Um, we mentioned it earlier. Yeah. You heard him. He said the Bosch have gone. Is that why he gave us grenades? That's good. And also, chin up. There's a medal yeah. in it for sure. Nothing like a scrap of wi- yeah. ribbon to cheer up a widow. And he just says it so nonchalantly. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's you, such a great line. You said earlier, bloody hell, even their rats are bigger than ours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Good line. Leslie saying, uh, handing them a flare gun, I'll do eight losing these to the Huns. So when they start shooting at you, would you be so kind as to throw it does back when you get like, shot? Does he say, be a good chap and throw yeah. it back or something? Yeah. There's and a then, <laughs> something, something that brought back my own PTSD here. Um, yeah. When he also says, are you our relief? And he says, no, sir. He says, when the fucking hell are they due? at that co-op when you see it tick over to your time to leave and someone hasn't come to take you off the till <laughs> every minute is like an hour you used to have a go at me if I was two minutes over and I had well, to leave you if I've been doing that grueling four hour shift we fucking hated the co-op grueling four hour shift we were like 15, 16 working at the co-op and we fought the four hour shift that was the worst thing in the world first shift I ever did was um, eight till ten on a Sunday morning I'm telling oh, you yeah, yeah, that yeah. felt like yeah I felt like how he feels you at the end were, of this film. You were 15 as well, weren't you? Uh, 16, I think. Yeah. 16, I was doing eight hours a week. I, think I was I doing... Was, I think I was fifth... No, I was... I you think would have been 16. I was 16, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was doing two hours. And then I Harry was... was working at 15 at the court, wasn't he? Yeah, my brother. I think I was doing 10 hours. I was doing two hours a Sunday, four hours on a Tuesday, and four on a Thursday. I did those horrible little shifts. I did those like... When I first started, it was like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, yeah. two hours yeah. apiece. It was fucking awful. I rocked up, went on the till for two hours and then went home. And that to me was like yeah. hell. In the trenches. Yeah. Star of the film, I would almost, almost give it to Dean Charles Chapman 
because of that death scene alone, but mm. it's hard to take it away from No, uh, it's, it's the Mackey. George McKay. He is the, what's he called? McKay. Yeah, George, George McKay. George McKay, yeah, him. Would, He's great. I, he, I, I really hope he does more stuff. Would you rather add Sidney Sweeney or Daniel Kaluuya to this film? I'd put Sweeney in uh, French Woman's Dead. Yes, it's 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 tough to look elsewhere. Um, yeah. I think Kaluuya has to just come in as like Cumberbatch or something if he's coming in. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, but Sweeney coming mm. in, it's, it's... But then, I mean, Kaluuya's black. I don't know how the whole... I don't know how it went down with black English people in World War One. I'm assuming that they were just fodder. Well, they're... they're I don't think you've got the they, Indian guy, don't you? Yeah, and, uh, and they make the a truck. point. I think that's why they make a point. Yeah, they that. stress it. Yeah. yeah, I was just gonna gloss over, gloss over that, but well, no, because you have to yeah. address it. Yeah, tough break for Kaluuya, back to back weeks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, true. He might just most French Sydney Sweeney, his mate's dead. He might go. Look, I know your. Brother, I know you've asked me to save your brother. No, but- genuinely. I mean, gen- genuinely that scene could have worked with Sydney Swinney yeah. because she is so attractive that it would be almost like um, angelic um, imagery. You'd be like, this guy who's just been through absolute hell suddenly sees this angel with like a baby. It would work. Who you filmed w- that next month? Which one? One as she's a um, true story of the uh, woman that was leaking CIA uh, information, know. basically. Don't she know. was a whistleblower. I don't follow. I don't follow her career as closely as you do. I'm excited for the Jennifer Lawrence film though. Um, a little while for that, I think. Uh, and I'm, I'm also, um, I'm going to watch Barbie. Yeah, I, I watched most. I watched Dungeons and Dragons uh, last night. Yeah, it's good. Did you like it? I, I, have you seen it? Yeah, I I've, said to you I've seen it. You got annoyed that I watched it without you. Uh, I like. I thought it. that when you said that you were going to the cinema last night, I thought you were watching Mario, and I was going to uh, say to you that I'm actually annoyed that you've watched. Goth said me. to me, "We'll do either," and I looked. Uh, I'll I, watch Mario with you. I kind of thought that the reviews for Dungeons and Dragons were going to go away, and then when they didn't, I was um, positively intrigued. It's good. So I liked uh, it. Yeah, I, I enjoyed seeing Bradley Cooper. Um, that was probably my, <laughs> that was probably my highlight. Um. If you had to make a spin-off movie about a side character from this picture, who would it be? Andrew Scott. It's the guy. It's the guy at the start. He, I don't know who else. Who did you go for? Probably the French girl and her escape slash survival. Yeah, not bad. No, there was sure. a there was a game which I never played really. It was called like Plague Tale of Innocence and it was like a... <laughs> Oh yeah, that huge game, Plague Tale of Innocence. It was, a, it was quite a big game, but it, <laughs> but it came out. It came out free on the PlayStation, but oh, it was ultimately okay. you, you didn't have a weapon, and I think you were with your sister, and you were in just like navigating through places. War. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, war torn times, and you're having to keep safe. You don't have weapons or anything. You're just looking after your Kid. little sister. I think I played like two levels of it though, sure. but I thought this would be a similar thing of. It would be a different type of film, but a different angle on things. Yeah, but unfortunately in war, you know how that story ends. Yeah, she or... She probably gets raped, which is... Just, Jesus. Uh, so what do you mean? That's what that's what happened. They got raped by soldiers. It's awful. I'm not condoning it. I'm so, I lowered the tone a bit. I, it's not me lowering the tone. It's me speaking about the reality of wars. It was so horrendous. like the way your eyebrow went up as you said it. No, it didn't. No, <laughs> no. One, no, one, no one knows otherwise. No, 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 I'm not having this. Um, no. Either that or I mentioned with Final Destination, I like the way round of how it ended, it flipped. 
I like the idea of the German pilot and the end of the film is him crashing and mm. being um, mm. being taken out. So we see his side of his side of So things. that's his Yeah, yeah, that's cool. That's that's his end that's the end to his story. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. I like that. Maybe I like that more than the Andrew Scott thing. I just think he's in the space of about four or five minutes, I just think he fucking steals it. He's in he I just think he's honestly one of the best actors that we've got. And then finally, in the gift shop based around this film, what's the highest selling item? I didn't even answer this one. Because no, because I just, what I don't know. I I don't know what is the highest selling item. Um, you tell me. Well, my first one is milk. <laughs> <laughs> They're just selling milk. They sell a lot of one pinters in the in the gift shop because that milk. I don't even like. I don't even like milk, and mm-hmm. I was looking. At, mm-hmm. He looks so happy with the milk that I was like, Yeah, yeah. That milk does look very appeasing. Actually, we just in the water was like brown. He's pumping mm. it out. The guy's about to kill his mate, and he's looking at the water like, oh, Christ. Um, what would be in the gift shop? I don't know. In like a war film, I don't know. I just don't know. Um. Yeah, milk. I ain't got anything better than milk. I tell you that much. The other one was thermos flasks. So yeah, I was on the similar lines. He's just gone down that route. Um. So yeah, there, there we go. Nineteen seventeen. Um, I think it's our longest one yet that we've done. Uh, it's a great an film. hour and a half. So not as, not as long as I thought. Great, great film. Um, very different tone of film next week. Spider Man Two. Tobey Maguire. We're not doing Spider Man Two next week, are we? Yes, next week. Love that. Didn't know that. Yeah, great. Next week. Spider-Man. That means I'm watching Spider-Man 1, Spider-Man 2 and Spider-Man 3. I'm not just jumping straight what, so, into Spider-Man 2. So I, I said to someone we were doing Spider-Man 2 and I mean, it's it's up to you. I'm pretty easy either way. And the first thing I was asked, do you not fancy doing um, Spider-Man 3 with Bully Maguire? And I was like, well, we've got Spider-Man 2 down to do. No, no, no. <laughs> no, because Spider-Man 3 is it's just not as good. You've got the, Bully Maguire, which well, is I'll fun. Put, but... I'll put the mic down, but all I've had in my head since thinking it was... Yeah, I know, I know, I know. These dance on the steps. That clip with the oh, kid. That to, clip um, with the kid doing that. Dance. Yeah, I know. I need to send. <laughs> I need to send you a video. Actually, that I sent my brother yesterday. Someone's done an edit of. Um, did I send it to you? Yeah, I may not have watched it. Oh, Obi Wan versus. Oh yeah, yeah I did send it to you. Obi Wan versus Bully Maguire. So good. Um, but yeah, Spider Man Two next week. And then I think it's. Uh, I think it's the Breakfast Club after that, which I'm quite looking forward cool. to watching again. Yeah, that'd be cool. Uh, Oh, so I'm not going to be with you for Spider-Man 2 then? That's an online one. No, so it's Spider-Man 2, Breakfast Club, Big Daddy, Whiplash, and that's the end of uh, season six, five. Good, good, good. So thank you for listening to another edition of Movie Madness. We'll be back next week, Spider-Man 2. Hell yeah. See you there. Adios. See you later.